Oh, would you look at that? There's a new episode of the Black Cast on my phone, ready to play right now. Listening to Black Cast. I don't want to watch what's on the TV. iTunes app put on the BC. Podcasts on, no talking to me. Listening to Black Keep up on comics and movies New phone ring, I answer hoodies I can't talk, call back if you please Listening to Blackcast You don't know what you are missing Damn fine show hosted by Christian He's just dope, no ass I'm kissing Listening to Blackcast Click subscribe on this podcast You won't be the first, but don't you be last Listen while you pumping your gas Listening to Blackcast on this episode, it's Jean Grey talking about the things that she say. So distracted, didn't feed Bay. Listening to Blackcast. Met this girl, she smiled in my face. Blackcast insulated my place. Had one beer, she brought a whole case. Listening to Blackcast. Cops knock on the door and listen. Blackcast on, they think I'm Christian. Cops ran off, now I ain't tripping. Listening to Blackcast. Point is, listen to this show. Don't need me to tell you it's dope. Rock so hard like Johnny Lithgow. Listen in the Black Cast. Oh yeah, that's the Black Cast. It's on the Ghost Twin TV or whatever. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's on AfterBuzz TV. That's right. That's that guy, Christian. You rock. Alright, several Texas had to go take care of some business, but I'm here to say, have a nice day, and listen to the damn show. This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Hosted by Christian Blatt, his trusty co-hosts Will Sterling, Jeff DeRay, and sometimes the lovely Zia Anderson, and less occasionally, Lindsay Floyd. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to the Blackcast. Very excited uh, to uh, be live right now for those watching on YouTube and, and Facebook and Twitter. I know Periscope's not a thing anymore, so uh, we'll just call it Twitter. We'll leave I it at that. About Periscope. Yeah, so did everyone. <laughs> I all my comments on Periscope are who uses Periscope? Well, you, you idiot, you're commenting on it. Uh, as always, as so often, uh, Will Sterling, Jeff DeRay, uh, we're uh, very lucky to be joined today by comedian Zach Amico. He's on social media at Zach is not funny. His show's Midnight Spook Show and Bye Guys, which is uh, co-hosted with uh, also very funny Ian Fidance. They're available on Gas Digital. Uh, welcome to the show, Zach. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Now, I wanted to uh, get right to uh, explaining why. Look, Zach, is uh, he's he's on these huge Gas Digital podcasts, you know, including Real Ass Podcasts. You hear him all the time. You see him on stuff. Our friend Zia did an episode of the Chip Chipperson podcast with you. So uh, Zach is kind enough to do this show because I, I wanted to talk about this fundraiser you were doing. We have a, like our number one fan of this show. His name is Matt and KC. He's basically our like one and only patron, either that or he's our sugar daddy because he sends us K Kansas City barbecue. He's created every piece of merch we've ever had. So uh, he donated to this uh, GoFundMe for uh, Lou Bruno, which is a wrestler that you work with. So I wanted you to uh, take a moment and talk about that, Zach, and uh, you know how you're uh, you know sort of enticing people to to help out Lou by uh, agreeing to you know do podcasts and watch-alongs for uh, movies and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I also dabble in the world of professional wrestling. I am what is known as a heel manager. I'm the bad guy that runs out and distracts the referee. 
Uh, and my the guy that I've been managing the entire time is my best friend, Big Bruno. He unfortunately ripped his shoulder out in a match and uh, had to get surgery. So we did a uh, GoFundMe for him. And you can, of course, always find the um, information that's on my front page. On my Instagram, it's Zach is not funny. You can just search it, help Lou Bruno. And uh, what I've been doing is anyone who donates a certain amount of money and up, I'll either uh, watch a movie with you and your friends on Zoom, which is the format of my Spook Show podcast, or, um, you know, just do people's podcasts, Zoom meetings, anything like that. Because he uh, has three kids. He's a trucker. And when you rip your shoulder out, you can't drive. So we just wanted to make sure him and his uh, family were taken care of. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, if uh, somebody in WWE gets injured, uh, it's all going to be taken care of. It's all going to be worked out. But uh, on this level, uh, I think it's uh, important to just uh, take a moment. And uh, for those uh, that are watching, you can see right now the GoFundMe. Uh, and like Zach said, very easy to always find a, a GoFundMe and uh, help out uh, right there. So uh, we appreciate, of course, uh, our friend Matt. Uh, you know, just uh, not only donating, but uh, he's always, uh, you know, doing his part to get the show out there. And uh, this was a great way to do it. Now, uh, you, you know, you, we've referenced a couple of the shows that you do. Uh, one of them, uh, Midnight Spook Show. Uh, talk a little bit about the, the concept for that show and just uh, some of the movies that uh, that you'll watch on that show. So uh, Midnight Spook Show, in its uh, easiest way, is uh, Zach and different comedians or people from uh, my world sit down and watch a movie and talk shit. Um, I want it to be like a friend experience. Sometimes when you're with your friends and you watch a movie, you talk about the movie the whole time. Sometimes you never even talk about the movie. Sometimes you just talk about bullshit that's on your mind. Um, and I kind of want to give that experience to people of what it's like to sit down with comics, artists, and other weird people and experience some of my favorite movies. And it can be horror movies, genre movies, B-movies, anything uh, that tickles my pickle at the moment. It used to be just horror movies, but now I've moved on to, like, bad action movies, uh, weird kids movies, <laughs> anything. Uh, or uh, we've gone through a big John Travolta kick lately. Oh. Recent, John Tra recent John Travolta. Did you do the, uh, the Punisher movie that he was in, where he plays uh, Jigsaw? No, we just Jigsaw. did. Um, no, no, he was in the first one. Jigsaw. Was he was in the right. first yeah. one. You're right. Yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The uh, the high our John Travolta highlights have been. Uh, he just did uh, Gotti. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, where, that was terrible. Well, I'm gonna explain the movie to you, and you'll know exactly what it is. <laughs> it is John Travolta as John Gotti in a movie directed and written by one of the guys from Entourage with a score by Pitbull. Oh no! And <laughs> it has multiple time leaps, so oh, no. he's either like elderly or too young to be, or too old to be as young he's supposed to be. Oh! And his family had way too like Gotti's family had like influence on it, so it's they're trying to make him like an anti-hero who was just trying to do right. <laughs> And the other uh, Travolta movie, which I think everyone needs to see, is called The Fanatic. Is that the boat one? Didn't he do something with a boat or a speedboat or something? Uh, the Fanatic, John Travolta plays a, um, in the nicest way possible, a person very deep on the spectrum who okay. is an autograph collector 
who kidnaps his favorite actor, who's played by Devin Sawa. And <laughs> Devin Sawa. Actor. And it yeah. is written and directed by Fred Durst. Oh, wow. I mean, you can and just I know read- what you're asking. Do they listen to Limp Biscuit in the movie? Yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> that is not what I was asking. I was asking if they did it all for the nookie. <laughs> <laughs> they did do it all for the nookie. That's the interesting thing. That sounds like an, that one of those movies where you could just read the IMDb page. Like, you just gave us three things. that like, we haven't seen the movie and we already know. By the way, in terms of uh, Gotti, our friend Dominica Saxon, uh, I watched it a few months ago. It is really, really bad. Uh, to me, it sounds amazing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I grew up, I, I loved uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, obviously, but sometimes I would go and watch the movies without the robots, you know, because like they, they did a movie called Robot Holocaust uh, that was from the late 80s. And I'm like, no, be quiet. I want to see this because it's so funny on its own sometimes, you know? Yeah, one thing I will note about uh, Travolta in The Fanatic, he was so proud of his performance he bought himself a two-page spread in Variety of a four-year consideration for Best Actor. And he has what I can only describe as a bowl-cut mullet. Mm. <laughs> so it's a bowl-cut that's long in the back. Yeah, And he spends the entire movie, um, his stems are, he uh, pinches his ear and smells it, and he rocks back and forth. And halfway through the movie, you go, oh, my God, I think he thinks he's doing a good job. (laughs) And then you go, oh, no, I hope he's not playing his son. (laughs) Because he had a special needs son who passed away. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit, I think he's just playing his son. And this is the saddest thing that's ever been filmed. Yeah, there's there's so many ways to do this, and uh, you know it's a uh, the 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 word that we don't use anymore uh, that they talk about in Tropic Thunder. You know, when yes. you go full and full R word, and he goes go full R word. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy! And, and you know, look, I mean that like uh, like DiCaprio was young and Gilbert Grape. I think he was great, and uh, you know, I am Sam. You know, you can get these movies where you get great performances, but this sounds like Zach this might not be a great performance from what you're describing. You know how I knew I was a bad person in What's high that? school. Me and all my friends thought I am Sam was a comedy and we just <laughs> laughed at it so oh, hard. No. And then I was like, Oh, this is not a comedy. Oh boy. <laughs> because he goes over the top. It's really hard. Not yeah. To think it's a joke. If you no, I get it. In clips, it's like a 14 year old. By the way, uh, Matt, who's the one who donated to the uh, GoFundMe, uh, he said bowl cut mullet. Oh boy, I think you just sold Matt on on uh, the, uh, the and it's called the fanatic or not yeah, the fan, right? It's the, the fanatic. fanatic. Yeah. And so, if you wow. want to know how full he goes, uh, he goes to a big Hollywood like premiere party and goes to the bar and tries to order a strawberry milkshake and then argues with the bartender. Uh, that they should have milkshakes. Oh, I. <laughs> it's that level. Like, I don't have any. By problems. the way, he also just has a giant apartment in Los Angeles. Of course, he does. And his best friend is like a hot nineteen-year-old uh, paparazzi chick. Also, I'd like to note his job in the movie is he works on um, in front of Man's Chinese Theater. Like he's one of the costume people. Oh, good. But they can't afford the rights to any characters. <laughs> So he plays a British Bobby. So it's Travolta oh. doing special needs 
doing a British accent, talking to people like, and then like people would be like, you know, when you go to Man's Chinese Theater, you see Spider Man, the Hulk, and a British Bobby. <laughs> it sounds like it's from Arrested Development, like the like one of those Fantastic Four musical that they did. Yeah, they, they, it definitely sounds like uh, I, I don't know. I I think that your you know your your spoof your fake commercial for a movie your fake trailer is nowhere near as funny as uh, what this sounds like you know you were saying zach that uh, you've you know graduated into bad action movies um can i hope that uh the great frank stallone has made an appearance on the show or if he hasn't uh, i assume he will soon oh absolutely is he not an over the top oh you know what he isn't over the i think he has a yeah he he is i believe he has top. a can i believe he sings a song in over the top yeah, and and he uh, he also has a, a movie, and he's got a good sense of humor. We uh, we used to the three of us used to work together on Dennis Miller's radio show, and we actually had Frank in studio one time, and he was promoting an album, of course. But uh, the guy seems to have like a really good sense of humor about some of the stuff he's done. I mean, he has a movie called Terror in Beverly Hills, which is you know every everything about it screams low budget, direct to direct to VHS. And uh, he he knows what he what his body of work is, and I think it's the opposite of what you're saying about Travolta. You know, saying like, "Well, I did this. This is clearly amazing." Uh, you know, I think that uh, I, I think you could talk to Frank Stallone about his body of work and actually have a good conversation. I think uh, I think Sinatra, not Sinatra, Travolta, <laughs> Sinatra too, though. But uh, Travolta, it's almost like talking to uh, you know Tommy Wiseau about uh, about the room. You know. Yeah, there's nothing like the actor who who accepts who they are. Another movie we just did is called A Talking Cat, and I say it like that because there's a question mark, an explanation, <laughs> and a question mark. And uh, it's it's exactly what you think. It's a, a family and a cat that talks, and by talks, I mean they put a Photoshop triangle over the mouth oh, that opens no. and closes, and the cat is played by Eric Roberts. Oh, God. Wow. And he very world. obviously recorded all his lines in his living room <laughs> because the sound tone, like they'll be outside and then the cat talks and you go, this sounds like inside. Um, <laughs> and then when you, I read an interview with the director, David DeCoteau, who does, he did uh, some of the Puppet Master sequels. Now he mostly does uh, softcore gay porn and children's movies. And he said that Eric Eric Roberts uh, did in fact record all his lines in 15 minutes on his own couch, <laughs> which which I think that uh, I think that that's how you know that's how you can get Eric Roberts in your movie. Can I record and, it in 15 minutes yeah. on my couch? The answer is yes, because I once heard that you could get Christopher Walken as long as you have I don't know what it is like two hundred thousand dollars. You can get him for like a week or whatever it is, whatever the movie is. And I think the the price is a little bit lower for Eric Roberts. And by the way, I know you said that the connection between uh, softcore gay porn and kids movies. All the movies are all in the same mansion that they also rent out for regular porn. So you're watching this kid's movie going, I know that stairwell. (laughs) It's like all good kid's movies. It's got something for the adult. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the uh, you know it's like wait, which version of Richie Rich are we shooting today? Because uh, they have the same title, you know. Uh, but uh, what uh, at, at what point do you know? Uh, we'll talk about how you got into comedy in a moment. But 
you know, I was reading an interview with you and you said that you had to, you had to sneak watching comedy specials because your mom is so easily offended. So how were you able to kind of get into watching some of the more outrageous, extreme horror movies, you know, stuff like I spit on your grave, which I know has been on midnight spook show. Did you, did you have to just sort of hide them? Did you have a friend whose house you went to? How were you able to watch this stuff without your mom finding out? Now you just uh, introduced two very different concepts, which is, how did you like I Spit on Your Grave and did you have a friend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake. You're right. <laughs> uh, and it, I'll tell you the secret to, to, um, to both dirty comedy and horror movies for me was uh, The Greatest Adventure of All Time, which is the tiny TV with the VHS player built in. Yeah. So the, I... the, the, uh, the, the small television with a VCR built in at the bottom and headphones. And uh, many, many, many years uh, alone, hoping to God, uh, nobody walked in while I was watching anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I guess that uh, that makes sense. You know, it's funny because uh, I, I once won a contest where I won VHS copies of all three Nightmare on Elm Street movies. There were only three back then. And my mom made me like sell them to my friend. But then I just borrowed them from my friend. So like, yeah, letting your, having your kid able to watch things in their own room, I, I think, uh, you know, it's just, just turn it down somewhat quietly and, uh, you know, you're able to kind of, you know, fly below the radar, I guess. But, uh, that yeah. kid today will never know the, uh, the, how sneaky and how joyous you felt when you were able to just get porn from your friend and put it in a different VHS case. <laughs> Had my mom known the amount of black porn I had brought home in Mr. Bean VHS covers. <laughs> well, and, and is there any chance that Rowan Atkinson was in both or uh, is that? Uh... <laughs> no, but someone did get their head stuck in a turkey. <laughs> Mr. Flick the Bean. Oh, I love that. Oh. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think that uh, the, it's it, it's funny to you know just sort of see some of the the movies that uh, that have been on the show. Um, there, I, I saw a tweet from you that there was one movie that you said you didn't know if you wanted to subject comedian friends of yours to, and I think it it said in the tweet that it was called Love on a Leash. And now I could have Googled it, but I thought it would be more fun if I ask you what that movie's about and why you weren't sure, you know, if if your your comedian friends who have probably seen some pretty outrageous things were like, well, this might be too much for them. You know, it's funny. I did wind up showing that to two of my friends, uh, Mike Cannon and Paul Hooper. We did that as an episode. And Paul had a panic attack because the movie is so badly edited that it's disorienting. Like um, the shots don't match. So it kind of makes you nauseous in parts. And what Love on a Leash is, and I only found out some of this recently because through a friend, I got to ask questions to one of the actors in it. Uh, it was an elderly Asian woman had a dream to make this movie where a woman falls in love with a dog and then it turns into a man. She wrote it, couldn't get anyone to finance it except her priest of her local church. Of course. Who gave her $15,000 to make it, and she lied and said it was a movie about a woman finding the love of Jesus. <laughs> um, she got it translated through a service yeah. that didn't do it correctly, so the, the lines don't make sense. 
<laughs> and then she hired all local actors in LA to shoot it, but wouldn't let them change any of the words. So it's mm. written in Chinese, translated incorrectly, and then read verbatim. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> so she made the movie. The priest saw it, wanted his money back. She winds up dying. And the movie gets sold. And I only found this out recently from the guy who voiced the dog, did uh, Jeremiah Wonders, po Jeremiah Watkins podcast, Jeremiah Wonders. And I got to ask him. Uh, it got sold as part of like a big bundle of movies that got put up on Prime and wound up getting like notorious for the worst movies of all time because she had not gotten permission for any of the music she used. <laughs> So when Prime bought it, they just took all the music out. Right. So there's 30 to a minute 30 stretches of montages to dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> or like long establishing shots with no sound because they cut all the music that she never paid for. <laughs> and there's just like, so the dog becomes a man who's not the guy who's the voice of the dog. So when he's a dog, he has one voice. Then he becomes a guy with another voice. Um, it's completely disorienting. She cut it herself, I think. And there's a cut like, it's cut like a fucking music video. I apologize, I don't know if I can swear. You can, uh, it's, you can, yeah. it's cut like a music video. So there's a cut like every three seconds. And you feel it's it's like you want to throw up trying to watch it. And my friend Paul had a legitimate panic attack and had to stop looking at the screen and close his eyes during the movie because he was going to puke. It's it's too bad that uh, she wasn't able to get Eric Roberts to do the voice of the uh, the guy who wasn't the dog anymore. You know, it. Uh, it I think he was probably available. Uh, now, Will, I know you've got uh, something important to head off to in about ten minutes, so uh, I wanted to. Uh, bring you in for a moment for uh, you know a movie that uh, that I mentioned to you when we were trading messages Zach a movie we reviewed a little bit on this show uh, go I looked it up will it was back on blackcast number 27. Wow. And this is episode 436. So that was eight years ago. Uh, we talked about a movie called Frankenhooker. And it, it uh, was kind of notorious because the VHS box had the Frankenhooker on it. And she would say, want a date? Want a date like she does in the movie. And to me, that was sort of like the epitome of like, oh, this... That, that was when I think I realized like, oh, that, you know, you go from looking at the box and thinking like, oh, this movie looks so bad. But then you realize like, yeah, but that could actually make it make it fun. I mean, are you disappointed ever, Zach, when a movie's actually like, oh, this is this is actually really good? Or is it a relief? You know, if, if this dog movie had actually somehow been amazing, would it have been more fun? I think there's plenty of bad movies that are good. If everyone in it thinks they're doing a good job. There's something enticing and wonderful about it where um, it's almost like this positivity. And I will include, I think Frank and actually, I think Hennen Lauder is a great director and he's made really good, very low budget movies. Uh, Frank and being probably the most accessible. Sure. Um, and no, I'm never, if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. I just like movie. Like, I just love yeah. movies. Yeah, and uh, Will, as I said, I know it was a while ago, uh, and uh, 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 that we watched Frankenhooker. But uh, I, I think had you ever even heard of it, Will, before we watched it for the show? I want to say it sounded familiar. I think yeah. 
it, you just seeing silly pictures. And I, you had talked about it for a while yeah. even before you watched it. Because I think your friend, like I borrowed your friend's DVD of it or something. <laughs> yeah, right, of course. So, like, we passed that around like we were 12 years old in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. we circulated it when DVD came around. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, no, because yeah, you had to actually you wanted to get it on DVD. And uh, Jeff, uh, does uh, yeah, did you get a chance to check out Frank and Hooker at all, uh, Jeff? I did. I did. yeah. So he's just watched it. So I, I oh, want good. I want okay. to get some fresh eyes while we talk about this movie for a few minutes. I mean, I uh, I don't think I have the best impression. It was just one of those movies where I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't. I don't know. It just didn't. It wasn't like I wasn't into it. <laughs> it was kind of like that's fair. Yeah, which I was like, okay. I don't know. I've watched a bunch of like old horror movies in the last few months, right? Like The Thing and some of those. Sure. So watching one like this was just like, oh, this is bad without an excuse. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was fine. Uh, and I totally get it. It's not for everybody. What I love about that movie, and especially like Basket Case. And some other um, Hen and Lauder movies, they're a perfect time capsule of the New York everyone thinks of. Yeah. Mm. The Grindhouse era, 42nd Street was still dangerous, grimy New York. I think those movies capture it as good as like Taxi Driver. Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, when you had your movies that actually shot in New York uh, at that time, yeah, I, I do remember when we talked about it, even though it was eight years ago, I do remember we talked about, like, like I, I was actually going to New I think I just came back from New York, and it was like, yeah, that's not, you know, this is why, like, because I grew up in the New York area, this is why I didn't go into New York regularly until I was, like, in high school, because my parents always had this idea of, like, well, you don't go there, you don't go into the city. You know, it's like, unless you have something very specific, you know, if we went on a school field trip to like a museum or something, my mom was like worried, you know, and uh, the getting to see it in those movies like that. What were you going to say, Jeff? I was just going to say, I, I, uh, as you're talking about, the one thing I did notice is there's a bunch of scenes in that movie that you could say have been like ripped off in the time since, right? Like that closing scene is basically... Revenge of the Sith with Anakin on the table. Like, no, I have boobies. It's <laughs> a great point. <laughs> uh, there was another scene that I was like, oh, like the, when he's doing the trepanation, just reminded me of Pi, even though it's like not the same movie at all. So there's just like a bunch of stuff where I'm like, oh, I've seen that in a different different movie that since then. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's a great point. People watched and then stole scenes from him. Just was like, it, no one will know. It, is that something you run into a lot, Zach, when you're watching some of these more obscure movies where, you know, you, you, you might see something like, you know, I <laughs> don't know, don't know why George Lucas was watching uh, Frankenhooker, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me in all honesty. You, you, see, you that see that a stuff, lot, yeah. especially the way things are shot or like the way monsters are shot or the way effects are shot. There's definitely, um, overlap like even and this is very the, the new conjuring that's coming out has a face coming out of a waterbed and mm. the director in an interview recently said he completely stole it from nightmare on elm street 4 to the point where he hired the director of photography to give it to tell him how they shot it oh wow that's interesting 
Will, I uh, again before you go, uh, what uh, what give us one of, of sort of these these like, uh, you know, extreme you can call them bad horror movies, but I, I like to think of them as more extreme. What's one of those that you were surprised by? Will? I, you know, and I, you know I, I don't doubt that Zach has seen it, but one that you're just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, Frankenhooker level something that's right, right. a little bit more uh, funny enough. I've been a buddy of mine. I love Vincent Price and uh, a buddy of mine bought me this like Vincent Price in uh, Edgar, well, no, I'm sorry, what, Edgar Allan Poe stories, all directed by George Cor- uh, Roger Corman. And the, 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 uh, the Raven was like, I was sort of them expecting to like kind of loosely follow it. It is the most fucking insane movie like I have ever seen where him and the, uh, it's just full of like all of horror actors and there's like lightning and there's their wizards and they're like battling each other with their like electricity powers and him and uh, uh, Boris Karloff are like old enemies. This is young Jack wow. Nicholson. It is like the fact that it's called the, it's called like Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven is the most insane thing in the world because it's the fucking craziest movie I've seen in the past like 10 years. It makes no sense. You know, I heard that the problem they had with that one was they couldn't use any of the original text because it's like slotted that you can't quote The Raven evermore. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a long I was like, I knew this was like a setup. I was like, where where are we going? Where are we going? But that's where we went. (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh vincent price zach seems like one of those guys who uh worked let's just say he had an affordable rate you know i think that you could get him in your movie you know it was maybe not eric roberts level but uh he's i mean he's in so many things like to have a set of of vincent price movies is is probably impossible to put together you know i think he's one of those guys um i would put him like somebody like christopher walken it's not necessarily that they have a low rate it's that they love to work yeah Yeah, that's fair and like he and the amount of there's actually something that was just on Shutter called uh, Monster Party, and it's um, it, it's one of the movies that'll have like three stories, but the the backline of it it's Price, I think Peter Cushing and one more guy, and they go to a nightclub where different new wave bands are playing, and the audience is all monsters. Oh. <laughs> No, they'll be. It's an anthology movie, so it's just Vincent Price and all these old horror guys hanging out at a punk club. But the entire crowd is just people in bad Halloween masks dancing to like new wave bands. And then it'll cut to a story. Then it'll come back and it'll be another song. And like Vincent Price sitting there, like sipping blood gaily. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it's that. It's really, really fun. Well, uh, Will, before we let you go, uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, some some movies of questionable quality. What do you on your way out want to say is maybe your favorite, one of the best, doesn't have to be the best, but what do you think is like, oh, this is a horror movie that nailed it. Maybe it surprised you. Maybe it was a classic that everybody told you you should watch. What what do you think is uh, sort of, you know, like, oh, if you're going to watch a horror movie, it should be this. You know what? One of the ones I always recommend to a lot of people is the 70s six or so remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland. That's just such a fucking great movie. And that's something that like, it was on a bunch of lists and I didn't really have any expectations. And I sat down to watch it and um, just and Nimoy's part in it. And, and just this like, this refusal to be like, you know, they're all turning into aliens or whatever, but the kind of humanity, the last shred of humanity kind of fight back emotional side of it sort of took me by surprise. So like, that's always one that I tell people to watch. 
right and I, I assume at some point you you checked out the original but the uh the yeah i like the original too sure that, yeah yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Will Sterling at Will Sterling underscore. You're you're off to a to a gig. You're a working actor, right? I quit. I quit one job and uh, booked another one shortly. Uh, yeah. So it's freelance stuff, but you know. That's cool. Well, uh, at Will Sterling underscore and uh, Will, we have uh, we have a little bit. Uh, we have some more mainstream movies to uh, get caught up on. We still uh, haven't. Haven't talked about Godzilla versus King Kong or Mortal Kombat, which are you know new movies, but in the way where they're in the theater and also in your house, which is very yeah. confusing. But uh, well, we will we will talk about that next time. Thank you, uh, thank you, Will. We appreciate you. Good uh, meeting you, Will. Time. Nice to meet you, Zach. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Uh, what about that uh, invasion of the body snatchers, uh, Zach? Do do you? Uh, oh, do you so scary. Yeah, that the, that's the one that has the man's face on the dog, right? Yeah, that's that's the the seventies one. As far as uh, as yeah, I that think, one's yeah. terrifying. And there's another Sutherland movie that I think is f- fucking so good. And I'm gonna botch the name. It's Don't Something. Uh, I know um, the trailer was parodied in Grindhouse with um, Simon Pegg's uh, Don't. I, I'm gonna have to look at it real quick. But it's called Don't Something. Don't look, and it, don't look now. Thank you. Don't look now. Yeah. And it's Donald Sutherland and, uh, and his wife lose their daughter in a drowning accident, and they go to Venice for him to like uh, re- to like restart their lives. And he keeps seeing his daughter because he keeps seeing his daughter like in the streets. Yeah, and it is wow. so scary. And it's one of those movies where nothing happens until the end. Oh, it wow. is such a slow like piece of life burn where you're just watching this guy question his everyday life and then the end is terrifying but is it in the way where you're like oh that's a great movie because of how good the end is and and even though it, it was it was a very slow up until that point no it's a very overall it's right it's shot beautifully oh, cool. and um it's like really artsy fartsy uh there's a very long sex scene in it that if it's not real, it's somehow one of the best shot sex scenes ever. And it's just full dog. I mean, talk about a guy who loves to show his butt. <laughs> Sutherland? Sutherland. Between that and Animal House, man. Yeah. That guy That guy was a full ass man. <laughs> well, also a, a full ass man, Jeff. Uh, you know, we're sort of just talking about, uh, you know, good horror movies. Uh, what's one that uh, really stands out for you, Jeff? I know that, you know, you don't, you're not somebody that I think is like, oh, you won't, you like this genre, or that genre. It's usually like, you know, in the old days when, when there weren't uh, potential, you know, viruses on every surface that you went to in public, if a movie came out, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that already. You would see like pretty much everything that came out, right? Yeah. Oh, well, I think part of that was just, uh, I loved the theater experience, right? And like, that's the thing I missed the most, even with these, getting to watch some of these new blockbusters at home. It's, it's great, but it's like, I went because that was my time to decompress. Like nobody can call you, nobody can bother you. You get to enjoy your popcorn. You're in your nice little dark voyeur town and everybody else has to leave you alone. Cause I like to go to the movies by myself. It's a very like do my own thing kind of experience. So that's why I went to everything. But I, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm like a horror fan like Will or like a lot of people where it's like they want to watch every horror movie and all these sure. things. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I loved horror when it was more psychological. Like I always enjoy 
a horror movie that's probably older or like an homage to an older one, right? Versus now it just seems like it's a lot of the uh, the gore porn, right? Like here's some titties and now they're chopped off. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and here's the meat underneath. And it's like, oh, all right. It's some more of that. So it's like, it's, I don't, I don't enjoy those as much, which is like, I liked the first saw and then it was like, watched a couple of subsequent ones and then just hit the point where I was like, okay, you're just showing me people's guts ripped out. Like, I don't, it's not scaring. It's just gross. So, um, I think my favorite horror movie or something in the horror genre that I can think of that I enjoyed recently was the, the shining sequel, uh, Dr. Sleep, Dr. Sleep. Yeah. Just cause it was like, it was that scene where they're eating the little boy is like fucking horrifying. Like uh, that the kid who was in room with um, Brie Larson plays this like little kid. He basically gets eaten by this group of people who are like sucking his soul out. And it's like he did a really good job acting it because it's like, oh, my God, it's just like just creeps you out. Stuff like that always gets me. Or like um, you mentioned The Conjuring. Those movies get me but only in the way where it's like, because I'm such a night owl, like 3 a.m. will come up and I'm like, oh no, the witching hour. And I'll like get involved <laughs> versus like being out. I'm like, I don't want to mess with that shit. <laughs> yeah, if you were watching it, like, you know, we can, for those that are watching, you know, you're, you've got uh, some some bright Massachusetts sunshine hitting the, uh, out there. So you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be scared by a movie like that right now because uh, you're safe. Yeah. And, and also your mommy, your mommy might be in the house. So uh, yeah, obviously exactly. you're not going to be scared. I feel like I missed the old days. Like when I, I would watch like the original scream and then it was like with my sisters and then it's like, Oh no, I don't want to like walk through the house at all. Cause what if a murderer is there to stab me? But it's like, you get a, you hit a point where you're just like, that's not going to happen. Or if it is, that's like a totally different well, problem I have. <laughs> well, well, Scream's a good example, Zach, because it's the, the horror is good in it, but it is legitimately funny. I think a lot of times trying to be funny and also make a good horror movie, you're going to have it so that the funny's not that funny and then the horror isn't that good either. I, I mean, I, obviously it's a huge big budget movie. It's Wes Craven. I mean, you know, but uh, I, I, I'm going to assume that there are probably you could do an entire podcast that is just those movies that try to blend those uh, unsuccessfully, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always too much of one uh, and the other falls flat. I think it's very difficult to like, um, as far as like ones that are too much comedy, there's a, uh, there's a Joe Piscopo zombie movie called dead heat. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, where he's a cop. <laughs> uh, and then and usually, scream is perfect. I think if we have to go, if we have to go through time, and especially as far as slashers, the um, you know the grandfather, the father, the father son Holy Ghost, whatever you're gonna do, is Psycho Halloween Scream. Yeah, that's that's a great way to look at it. Especially because they have the through line of a character named Loomis. Um, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I think those are like the defining movies for what would become the next 10 years of those movies to 15 to even 20 years. Yeah. And I think that the key that you have there is obviously you have, you know, some of the greatest uh, filmmakers of the 20th century. I mean, my, my wife actually legitimately hates horror movies just because she gets scared. She doesn't like it, but I, I convinced her one Halloween at the Hollywood forever cemetery here in LA, they show movies. And one year on Halloween, they showed the original Halloween. So I got her to, to go with us and with me and some friends and 
I think that when you see that and you're like, all right, there's, there's some jump scares and stuff. It's not, it's not hostile. It's not saw. It's not that level, but you can really appreciate like, Oh, it, it kind of all comes back to this movie, you know? And it's like, you know, is a, is a kid going to see that and be scared now? Probably. But like an adult might be like, Oh, I've seen so much worse than this. But uh, you know, that that's probably, <laughs> that's probably like the one slasher movie my wife will ever see is, is that one. But I think it's, there's so much, more to it uh and uh that's why i think it's a it's a great one to highlight though you know the 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 first halloween and not the multiple uh reboots and sequels what were you gonna say jeff i just want to so i was just thinking like more recent movie that's i think considered in the horror genre but i never really considered scary just more of like that thinker was like get out right and um i was thinking of that because we i also watched a movie recently that was basically the original get out skeleton key and I was just like, I remember finishing it. I don't, have you seen it? It's from like 2005. It's got like Kate yes. Hudson. And so it's basically the, it's get out in the sense that people are inhabiting other people's bodies. But it's like this, these two people that did voodoo and they're trying to like trick this girl so they can take over her soul or some shit like that. And it was like, it wasn't, that was to, it, it, it wasn't scary to me. Just like get out wasn't scary, but it's more unsettling. Like I'd, I'd finish a movie like that and be like, okay. I feel like I enjoy it more than I did like Hostel 2, you know, where it was just like, here's an eyeball getting stabbed. Yeah. For me, what scares me now as an adult, um, if it's a good home invasion movie, really gets me. And the one, um, The Strangers, uh, and then especially, I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever heard of Funny Games? Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer for it. Uh, so uh, Funny Games yeah. came out in Germany, and then they the director remade it here in America, shot for shot, with um, Tim Roth <laughs> and Naomi Watts. And oh wow! And it's, it's the exact same. I mean, down to the it, it's he edited exactly the same, and both versions are excellent, and. It's one of those like this is not without of the realm of possibility. Like you could just be in the wrong house on the wrong day. To me, that's what like as a grown up really scares me. Well, yeah, and I mean when you when you uh, you read up on the uh, you know the 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 Manson murders, not the Sharon Tate one, but the other one was the wrong house. You know, yeah. and like literally, you know, the 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 most famous uh, you know murder spree in history is like, oh yeah, that that is literally the wrong place at the wrong time because everybody's in the wrong place. Jeff, were you going to say something about that movie? Which one? Funny Games. Funny. Oh, I was I I've seen it too. I loved Funny Games. I watched it back in college forever ago. Michael Pitts, who was also in like Numbers or something with Sandra Bullock, is in that. He was always a good like creepy villain guy because he's got that kind of like you just seems weird always <laughs> yeah i think they had him on on uh, like on the the hannibal lecter tv series i think they had him play the character mason verger originally and then they recast it at some point but uh yeah he's he's somebody that uh when you see him he's usually like great you know he sort of had I, I you know I'm, i i was a terrible actor in high school and college but you know you can still kind of know it when you see it you know, you felt like, oh, this is a kid who could be, you know, when he was younger, this is a kid who could be getting like DiCaprio level roles, but, uh, you know, I, maybe he just wasn't interested, you know, uh, but, 
I, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, these are, uh, it's funny because that's one that I actually meant to see. I hadn't thought about it in a while, but I remember uh, doing a push. Uh, is there is there a movie, Zach, that comes to mind that, you know, was a mainstream movie and could have, it's one of those like, oh, why was this movie not bigger? Some of these more obscure movies, obviously there's so many reasons why they're not that bigger, but was there a big budget, whether it's horror or otherwise, that you saw and you're like, how does everybody not love this movie? Event Horizon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Uh, Event sure. Horizon is essentially uh, The Shining in space plus uh, Hellraiser elements. I know it was heavily edited and it basically just came out against... It uh, It replaced Titanic when Titanic went over schedule. So they oh. rushed Event Horizon instead so that they would have like a tentpole movie. Um, but even... And I know like they took a ton of gore out of it um, but everybody in it is really good. It's uh, Grant from Jurassic Park, um, Fars Whitaker, I think, and um, it's proof that um, space movie, like uh, certain what you would call like you know, like something like Alien yeah. or this movie, they're haunted house movies in space. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, but format wise, Alien is a haunted house movie. It yeah, just happens sure. that that house is a spaceship. Yeah. And no, that's Event a, yeah, Horizon exactly right. is the perfect version of that. And I think it's scary as hell. Um, and the effects are dated now. Like the CGI doesn't look great. But if you can suspend your disbelief, I think it's a really good movie that did not get the accolades it deserved because of when it came out. And then if you're talking about a movie that's a hilariously funny movie, that uh, got really effed in the A with scheduling. Uh, Weird Al's UHF. I agree. Yeah. That came that out was... the same weekend as Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately yeah. was taken out of theaters. Um, yeah, and it's I mean, such a funny movie, and that's a movie that I think you know, uh, or very, you know, once it was out on VHS, it had the the cult status because it was like you, you know, I mean, I I don't even know if I had a chance to see it in the theater. Like, I didn't have a movie theater in my town; I had to drive like a half an hour away. And I think if you do, sometimes a movie like that, if you didn't see it that first weekend, you're like, well, you're not seeing it now. Yeah, you know? because probably because Batman was on four screens, you know, at the yeah, at it was. Close it, it, it came out against Batman. I'm sure nobody saw it when it came out and they went, well, I guess nobody's going to see this yeah. and it's gone. Uh, but that is such a funny movie that um, I don't think gets put in like the uh, echelon. As far as modern funny, uh, Walk Hard is the funniest movie of the last 20 years without a shadow of a doubt to me. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jeff, before? Or was it uh, When you're talking about Event Horizon, there's a yeah. Danny Boyle film that's kind of like an updated version called Sunshine, I think. I don't know if you've seen that one. I like that too. It, it, I haven't. I'll definitely check it out. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Danny Boyle is uh, one of those guys that, uh, you know, it, like I, I'm just not a huge fan of, of zombies in general, but uh, uh, 28 days later, you know, it, it w I see movies because he makes them. And like, when you go back to his first movie, shallow grave, the movie that I always tell people to see is that one, because I'm like, like I'll tell nerds. I'm like, look, Dr. Who and Obi-Wan Kenobi are roommates in this movie. How are you not watching this? You know, <laughs> but it's, it's so good. And, and, uh, I, I think that, uh, yeah, he's definitely some, I think he's got something coming soon. He's always a guy that, uh, you, you wish he could make like two movies a year, but then they probably wouldn't be good. Um, 
Zach, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I do want to talk uh, about comedy. And, uh, you know, you and I were talking uh, before we got started that uh, I was reading an interview with you and uh, it, it mentioned how, you know, you started just doing impressions of comedians. Uh, and one of the comedians you mentioned was Kevin Meany. And my brother and I used to just go around like for months. We drove my parents crazy. We would say, you know, that's not right. And we're big pants people just the way that he did. And and they, I think they had to sit us down and be like, you have, you have to stop. But so uh, you were, you were a big Kevin Meany fan. Uh, I, I love it. Started, right? Whatever made my parents laugh. I think I always wanted to be that. And yeah. it was Chris Farley, not just the Chippendale sketch, but Chris Farley as Giuliani's son uh, during the inauguration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember my parents couldn't stop laughing at it. And then it's Kevin Meany and John Panette. So John Panette, the you go home now, you you eat here four hour. And then uh, Kevin Meany, it was uh, the I tried phone sex. I got my penis stuck in the nine. And from <laughs> the time I'm five years old till now at 33, I will be walking around the house going, penis stuck in the nine. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny the uh the the Chris Farley was was so great for those cuz I remember it was like the the same year I think he he does the you know obviously he does the uh I think that's Andrew Giuliani Giuliani's son who's like is in the news now and all you can ever think of is Farley like I can't take that guy I mean I can't take that guy seriously for a few reasons but I'm like yeah but I I remember that but then he was also he would be like there's a sketch where it's like all the the when the Philadelphia Phillies were in the World Series against the Blue Jays and they're all just like spitting so much tobacco and he's just this big John Cruck, you know. And it, it I don't even know if he has any lines in it. It was just he if Farley was on the screen, you're like, oh, this is great, you know. And, there, and there's not to, that many of those guys, you know. I want to know one more Kevin Meany thing. If people haven't seen it, Kevin Meany did he did it on one of the late shows. He did all of We Are the World. He lip synced it, oh, but wow. he had. Um, like sunglasses and kerchiefs and this and this and it's it, hidden in his suit and he does an impression of every single person in We Are the World and it's <laughs> so funny and you, he, it's lip syncing it should be terrible hack comedy but the 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 faces and the mannerisms it's so insanely funny. Yeah. And, and, you know, when we were talking about uh, Kevin Meany, just in the couple minutes before we got started, he was somebody who was always so funny. He didn't really you didn't see him in a lot of movies. Uh, and I mean, I do remember sort of what could have been a breakout role for him is he had the TV version of Uncle Buck. He replaced John Candy in that. And I guess though that's always tough if you're going to replace anybody from a movie, but especially replacing John Candy. Uh, what do you think it is about it? Was he just one of those guys that was like stand up first? And and maybe he didn't uh, try and find that that right niche like somebody like Jerry Seinfeld did. I think he's just one of those guys that's a road dog that it's, they're going to murder everywhere they go. Um, also, like I think of, for somebody like that, that part needs to be written for them. Yeah, that's because he's such a big personality. You're not going to shoehorn him into a role written or meant for anybody else. Um. Same with like Panette did a few movies, but he didn't really get to be John Panette in them. Yeah. And, and, and you were telling me that, you know, Panette, you said that, uh, I think you said Jim Norton, uh, people were impressed by how he would do so well. And he was, he was a clean comic, you know, and. Yeah. Like, you talk about gluten for 20 minutes and you're dying. <laughs> uh, but I, I was talking to you, uh, he's got this one special, I think it's around the world in 80 buffets. 
And uh, <laughs> it, the whole album's clean. And then he talks about there was like a big meat recall, I think at Burger King. And then it wound up being like they were called meat, like nationwide, like steaks were recalled. And he does this. And once again, the album's been clean for 40 minutes. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, I have one question. Who fucked up the meat? <laughs> and it's one of those you could hear the boom. Like it's like somebody lit a match in a room full of gas at the club, and you just hear boom, like the whole crowd after listening to this guy be clean for 40 minutes. He goes, Who fucked up the meat? I'm gonna kick the shit out of him. And people just go wild. Yeah, I think that's really the key is like, you know, look, there's uh, there, there obviously swearing can be very funny. And, uh, you know, I mentioned that we all used to work with Dennis Miller and he told us the story one time that uh, Buddy Hackett went to see him and at, and he went backstage afterwards and Buddy Hackett, of all people, says, yeah, but why do you got to dip into the blue ink? As in, like, why do you have to swear? So and this was Buddy Hackett. And it was like, so. So like, what you know, I mean, when you're, you know, when you're a, a, a lot of the comedians of that era, it's like, yeah, you're going to swear because you could were on cable and you finally could. But I guess that you still have sort of that old guard, you know, I mean, God, you can, we don't need to talk about uh, Bill Cosby's private life, but uh, you know, there's, you know, he like called Eddie Murphy and wanted to know why he felt like he needed to swear so much, but it's like, yeah, but it, it works for those comics. And when you're sort of, you know, discovering what you like about comedy. Uh, talk about what you gravitated towards and how that kind of informed what your act would be once you got started. Uh, growing up, I always loved comedy, always loved stand-up. It was always on. And then I found Opie and Anthony, uh, probably when I was like 13, 14 years old, when they were on 1027. And they would have Jim Norton, Rich Voss, uh, Patrice O'Neill, David Tell, all these guys on. And that's where I found like that New York, what would be kind of deemed cringe humor. And that really informed me. Those are the guys that like, I absolutely loved uh, as far as like being really dirty. And what I never get when people like criticize dirty comedy as opposed to something else, it's like, it's just another genre. It's like telling somebody you can't make a horror movie or telling you know, a death metal band, you know, why can't you turn down the distortion? Not everybody likes that. It's just a different genre. It's like we make, I make comedy for the people I, that I connect with and I do stuff that makes me laugh. Um, and, but yeah, I definitely was informed by like, I love dirty stuff. And then there's people you wouldn't expect to be my influences, namely like Dana Gould. And my other big one is Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, a lot of his storytelling, I find myself, having to not mimic. Um, and I only, people thought I was doing Gilbert for a long time until I said Bobcat and then went, oh yeah, that's obviously very much informing what you do. Yeah, no, and, and Bobcat was so great as a stand-up. I mean, obviously people really got to know him in, in movies, but I mean, I remember, you know, he would, uh, he had obviously HBO specials and, you know, he would do, you know, comic relief and, you know, it's just that, that sort of that manic, that delivery, but, and it's like, did he just do six minutes talking about tab, you know, the diet soda? And you're like, yeah, he sure did, you know? And, uh, and by I the way, that a crazy person, a legitimate, <laughs> he's told this story before, and I don't want to butcher it, so I'll tell a very short version. And it's his story, but uh, he toured with Nirvana. Wow. And it was specifically because I think Kurt at that point hated his fans. Uh, <laughs> so he would send Bobcat to just go bomb for 20 minutes before Nirvana to go on. Wow. And uh, they're in Chicago 
the week Jordan's retiring. So it's a big stadium. Everybody's got banners. We'll miss you, Michael. They've got his number on signs. Why they have that at a Nirvana concert, I don't know. But, you know, like the all of Chicago is like celebrating the life and career of Michael Jordan. Bobcat goes on stage and opens with, well, you know, for $40 million, I shoot my own dad in the fucking head. <laughs> and security had to put a blanket around him, put him oh, on their shoulders, put him in a van and drive him out of state lines because there were people waiting outside the venue to kill him. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, like there's there's getting the strongly worded uh, letter. There's the uh, angry <clears throat> tweets. And then there's uh, you almost got murdered for telling one joke. Uh, wow, that's amazing. That uh, I, I kind of remember the this idea of uh, Bobcat opening for Nirvana because I think I, I think Howard Stern told him it was a bad idea and he shouldn't do it. Uh, but uh, have uh, and you know I, I've talked to uh, Don Jameson. Uh, you know uh, he's got a show on. Uh, Anthony Kumia's uh, uh, compound media and he goes on tour with like, you know, he'll do like some of the, the eighties, nineties, hard rock bands. Like he'll go on tour with like a faster pussycat, but he's gone on tour with like death metal. And I know Jim Brewer uh, would open for Metallica. Uh, have you done comedy with bands uh, uh, often or uh, okay, how, so how do you, how does that work? By and large doing that sucks. You have to be really, really good. Or really, really, really pander. Uh, the only I did have the only good experience I've had with that is I did a heavy metal cruise uh, called Shiprocked, and it was all like uh, early two thousands era metal. And I wasn't opening for the bands; they just had a comedy room at midnight, and that was really fun because everyone was there to go hard. And um, those were some of the best shows I've ever done. But as far as opening for a band, like you really can't do material unless it's about metal or yeah. you're doing crowd work or whatever. Um, probably the worst bomb of my life. I was doing a show. I was doing a spot in between bands at kind of a goth night, kind of like a metal thing. There was a bunch of people there that thought they were vampires. And <laughs> I was supposed to go on at 10. They brought me on at 2 a.m. Wow. <laughs> and uh, the lady goes, all right, I'm about to bring you on. And she goes on stage and she goes, all right, guys, we got a few more acts for you. Uh, before I bring your next act on the stage, any girl, if it was your birthday this month, come up on stage. All the birthday girls, like eight random girls get up on the stage. She goes, all right, since it's your birthday month, we're going to have a spanking contest and we're going to spank each of you for however many years old you are. And they've got each girl bent over, and they're spanking them with a paddle, and they're spanking each girl. Now all the girls are spanking each other, and the whole crowd's going nuts. And she goes, all right, guys, do you want to see more spanking or a comedian? And they go, spanking. And she goes, ladies and gentlemen, Zach Amico. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then they hand me one of those, like, LL Cool J, Mama Said Knock You Out microphones. Yeah. That goes over my face. So they just went from eight girls spanking each other's bare asses to a fat guy with a microphone head yelling at them. And I lasted about 20 seconds before the booze started to get overpowering. 
And then they started to come to the stage. And then I said, <laughs> I have the microphone. You have to listen to me. And then the sound man turned my microphone off. <laughs> and I threw it. And I went, there was no green room. Right. So I had to jump off the stage through the sea of people as they chased me out into the subway. <laughs> so that's it's uh, it's not that dissimilar than Bobcat Goldthwait. Yeah, <laughs> coming on before. And then the lady DM'd me that night at five in the morning. Why didn't you come to me for your twenty dollars? <laughs> Uh, I, I'm 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 surprised that that story doesn't end with her saying like, "Hey, now you owe me twenty dollars." That's, uh, that's she had crazy. the balls to blame me for that. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was I was told that my comedy stylings did not match the mood of her event. Well, I mean, especially when the when the option is, you know, there's a there's a lot of comedians that uh, that I I might decide like, you know what, I I could see I could see Dave Chappelle, I could see Andrew Dice Clay in his prime, or you could watch these girls get spanked in the ass a little bit longer. You know, I, I think that uh, depending on the night, it might be it might be a tough choice for sure. Yeah, as a comedian, you, you get these introductions, but that was my worst introduction right behind one time I was going on stage and the stage was maybe two inches off the ground. And to get to the bar, you had to walk directly in front of me. Yeah. And they went, all right, we're going to bring your next act to the stage. But just so you guys know, next for the next 10 minutes, we're doing dollar shots. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Amico. Dollar shots. And I had to stand there and do comedy to no one as right. there was a line in front of me to go to the bar. We get the dollar shots. What were you going to say, Jeff? I was going to say, it seemed like your only option was to just come out and offer to jerk off for them. <laughs> <laughs> you you might have gotten $40 that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that's my closer. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't do that. You can't start because where are you going to go from there? Yeah. So, uh, Zach, uh, your your shows, the Midnight Spook Show and Bye Guys with the Infight Dance, those are on Gas Digital, and uh, the that is the you know the brainchild of Luis J. Gomez, and uh, he's obviously people who know the the New York comedy scene that you referenced, they're going to know Luis. I mean, obviously people know him all around the country, around the world, but I think he's very well known in those circles because. He's just out there so much. Talk about how supportive he's been to you in your career and just getting the opportunity to, you know, be on his network. Oh yeah. I mean, Lewis, um, Lewis pretty much handpicked me out of, uh, open mic obscurity. I was a doorman at a club that he worked. We became friends. We started doing real ass podcast together six, seven years ago. Now, uh, that's who I tour with. Uh, that's who I feature for on the road. And when he created Gas Digital Network, uh, Real Ass Podcast was uh, one, I think, the first four shows on the network. Um, I've been good friends with him almost as long as I've been in comedy, period. He started the Roastmasters, uh, which was the New York side of uh, L.A.'s Roast Battle. And that got me my first big TV credit. Uh, he's somebody he – he's been instrumental in not just my career, but probably dozens – if not hundreds of other young comics uh, from all over the uh, the country. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it seems like uh, he's always very supportive, and uh, you know, definitely uh, never afraid to uh, you know air. I think that that's probably sort of what you're talking about about the comedians that you like listening to on Opie and Anthony. What was always great was if 
guys didn't like each other. You kind of knew it. And there's the playful, you know, joking around, but Lewis always seems like he's in an actual fight with someone. And some people are not going to bring that to the microphone, but uh, it's always entertaining. And, and it's, it's, it's almost never anything big, you know, from what I hear anyway. No, and, it's always, and- it's always a fight over minutia. We call Lewis the Puerto Rican Larry David. <laughs> Because he's constantly in a giant fight with somebody that started over absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, how how is, uh, you know, look, here in Los Angeles, uh, you know, comedy is still the, the, the parking lot variety, the occasional pop-up shows. But uh, from what I'm hearing, there's a lot more shows in New York, indoor shows. I, I know there's still the outdoor ones. Where where is it at right now? Uh, as we're talking on May seventeenth, do you feel like it's at least approaching normal? Where it's like, oh yeah, you know, you you can go out and do a bunch of spots. You know, uh, Aaron Berg had this great documentary where I think he did twenty five, twenty six, yeah. twenty five spots in a night. So obviously, I don't think you're pr- quite at that point where there, you could try and do twenty five spots in a night. But I, I feel like from what I hear from you know people that I hear promoting their gigs that uh, comedy is, is back to some extent in New York, at least much more than it is here in Los Angeles. Yeah. The clubs are open at like, um, you know, half capacity with the tables far apart from each other. Um, we've been doing the roads. Some places have like plastic barriers up in between the tables, but you know, it, and I, there are still outdoor shows going on. Souljols is doing outdoor stuff with the huge field shows, uh, field shows in Pennsylvania. Um, but yeah, like the clubs are starting to open back up, but the only thing is there's not those spots anymore because a bunch of clubs did close. Um, yeah. yeah or like, and- some, like I know like Caroline still hasn't reopened because they said that they couldn't turn a profit at the half capacity because of what a big space that is and what it costs to run a building like that. Yeah. I mean, and Carolyn's being, you know, right over there by Rockefeller center. Like I don't, I don't, I don't understand how any of these places can afford to one, not be open and, you know, pay the rent or not pay the rent or how any of that works. But uh, look, it's great to hear, you know, I, I took my kids to Disneyland yesterday and it's at 25% capacity kind of like great especially towards the end of the night when like all the really little kids you know have all passed out and gone home it's it's sort of like an eerie feeling and it's great i mean uh you know i've i've gotten uh i've gotten my two pfizer shots so uh for more than a month i've been like up for whatever and uh i think that uh california i'm surprised you're hearing things like oh yeah there's gonna be like you know like i have tickets to this show to see Weezer and Green Day that I expected to get pushed to another year from last year. And they're like, no, we're going to do it in September. I'm like at Dodger stadium. Really? You're going to have 55,000 people. And things are, and I don't know if it's like, if it's real, you know, it's like, if you hear like big size events, but I mean, going to Disneyland, it's going to be at like 50% within a couple weeks. And do you feel that in New York, uh, you know, things are, are really heading in that direction too there, Zach? I mean, it's it's coming back. It's it's the the there was a sweet spot for a while, right when indoor stuff started again, where and there's still inklings of it, where the crowds are just so excited to be inside doing something that the crowds were awesome. No matter where you went, everyone was so excited to just be inside with a beer, eating food. Uh, now the crowds are starting to get back to New York, where they're like, "All right, make me laugh, you son of a bitch." 
Well, uh, now, and it's like the does the do you have like the table of like the bachelorette party again, like that sort of a thing where they're like I haven't seen that yet, but okay. I just don't. I don't think people are because I don't think you can have tables that big. Yet. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, and uh, sorry, and and Jeff, you always pre pandemic, you kind of hated people anyway, so you're you're kind of content to just sort of keep on. You know, do you think that you might live a pandemic lifestyle for the next five ten years? Hard to say. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. No. Yeah. I, I tried to go to the eye doctor today and I almost lost my shit. So we'll see. That's fair. Maybe okay. That, that change in the world better do it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and you know, I think that for some people, you know, look, there's some people that are like, oh, look, when the new Fast and Furious movie comes out, that's when I'm going to go back to the movie theater and like, oh, I'll go to this concert, that concert. But right now, like, there's nothing enticing you, Jeff DeRay, to uh, be like, yeah, this is what I really need. Or you're just like, I'll find something new on HBO Max. I'll be fine. Honestly, the thing I'm looking forward to most once I get my second shot ooh, next week is going to the Boston Museum of Science. I have not gotten a go since I moved back home. And that was always one of my favorite places to go and visit. So I'm just like looking forward to feeling safe to get back out there. Pretty sure I'm going to be trying to get out there. Whether I'll want to talk to anybody is a whole different question. But I will. Oh, yeah, I will but, one day leave the basement. But it's a uh, it's so great uh, to be out in public and not want to talk to people, Zach. I mean, the invention of the earbud in terms of like not even the technology, like the fact that you can just put them in and like you don't even have to be listening to anything. You can be as rude as you want. You can ignore everyone. You know, I think that uh, we're in the we're in the golden age for uh, you know malcontents of people who don't want to interact with the general public. You know. Oh, it's the the true secret to living in New York City is to never take your headphones out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's uh, it, it it you know working in New York for a few years before I moved to Los Angeles. That's when I learned that 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 move with like your hands in your jacket pocket. If anybody tries to hand you anything, no matter what it is, you you don't acknowledge it because you know it's going to lead to a conversation at best. You know, the uh, the guys trying to give you their CDs, uh, which I don't even know. Are they are they trying to just like give you like download codes now? But, I, you know, they used to follow you around with like the the the, the like the backpack full of uh, CDs. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it, well, I don't know. It's uh, I guess that's a sign. That's when you know everything's back is when the uh, the self-made CDs are uh, being handed out. As, as someone who uh, made their living selling comedy club tickets on the street for four years. Uh, yes, uh, that will be the, and I don't know when that's coming back. Um, that is a very hard living, but, yeah. um, I, that's how I started in comedy. I, uh, was a doorman and I, I slung tickets. So, um, and that was actually what Lewis, Lewis trained me. Uh, cause that's, that was Lewis's original business in comedy was he promoted shows. Uh, uh and so he kind of opened that door for me and, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's ever coming back. Yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, I, I would do a, a, a comedy night. This is in 2000, like once a month. Uh, uh, this woman named Gladys had a comedy room at the back of a place called Hamburger Harry's. And uh, it, they, were, they were always bringer shows. So it's like, if you want a stage time, you needed to, you needed to convince at least four people that they uh, needed to go in. Uh, yeah. So uh, all, all stuff that uh, I guess uh, signs of the times is, uh, you know. But I will just, say, Jeff. The last movie I saw in theaters was Cats, and I don't know if I need to ever go to the movies again. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> 
I think the last thing I I did go to one movie when I when I first moved back to Massachusetts because I was like, there's less people around here. It's probably okay. And then it was like I got in the theater and I was like, nope, never coming back. But uh, I can't remember. It was some awful movie that I was like, well, this was a waste of time. But didn't you tell me that they were doing something in Massachusetts in particular, Jeff, that they weren't selling concessions? So yeah, like they the, always had the concessions closed to my yeah, knowledge. Like so then what was the closed. point? Like to go to a movie and not get to have, uh, have popcorn, you know, uh, Zach, one of the last movies I saw was also cats, but five minutes in, I turned to my friend and I said, we have to come back and see this again. I need to really be able to, you know, to just sort of appreciate, uh, did you, did you see it before the effects were rendered? Because I yes, remember I seeing did. Dame Judy Dench with like, you know, human the wedding hands. ring. Yeah. Um, yes, I did. I saw it the week it came out, and <laughs> it was unfinished. Uh, they yeah. had people hands. Uh, Judy Dench had her fucking wedding ring on. Uh, it was so weird. It was unsettling. And then, yeah. like, uh, I may have been on drugs. Fair. As <laughs> I, uh, that was the big plan. And they started to kick. And then Rebel Wilson took her skin off oh, yeah. and had another <laughs> cat skin underneath it. And then there was a parade. And this sounds silly. There was a parade of dancing cockroaches with children's faces that she then begins to eat. <laughs> is The best part is that it was animated like a 1990s MTV music video. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, it looked like Joe's apartment. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. So this sounds like not the best movie to see on on drugs. And oh, it was uh, the best. I mean, I can't imagine sitting through it not. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. I, and it I, just I, never ended. Every single time you thought the movie was over, it was like here's three more songs. Like it was in. I remember, and I very rarely like audibly emote during a the- if I'm in the theater. I try to be pretty polite, but more than two thirds of the theater I saw it with walked out. <laughs> and everyone else was kind of seeing if they could muscle through it yeah. and there was a point where I thought a song was over and then it kicked back in for like another verse and I think I I actually went Jesus Christ really like I was <laughs> I was yelling at the movie Oh yeah, it was a it was a rowdy crowd that I went. It was just at the at the AMC in in Burbank, and I think a few people. Uh, there's a there's a bar attached to that, and I think a few people had visited beforehand. Some were classy, like my friends and I, and we brought our own our own little uh, airplane bottles. Yeah. And uh, you know, it was the the environment. Like I would never do this in a real movie, but after one of the songs, it was so bad. I mean, just it was Taylor Swift song. And um, I stood up and applauded uh, just because I, I just couldn't believe what I had just seen, uh, you know, and usually that would be so obnoxious, but uh, that, uh, yeah. Oh God, I forgot how bad that cat's movie was. Yeah. Maybe you've convinced me now. Maybe theater going is not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, this led me to one other topic I'll throw in Jeff. What do you think is the best uh, movie while high and uh, you know, whether it's mushrooms or, you know, so edibles or anything that I was thinking the, one of the few times where it's like, I've done drugs, drugs, and I, I ate an eighth of shrooms and then watched the fountain. And I got to tell you, it was awesome. <laughs> like that is a movie to watch when you are tripping. I, I don't even know what that is. What is, I mean, I know what the uh, fountain head is, but I don't know what the it's fountain an is. Aronofsky film. Oh, okay. With, um, what's Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weiss. And it's like three different time periods. 
and it's essentially like the tree of life or like some kind of thing like that. So there's like back in Spanish conquistador days and then current day times and then the future where Hugh Jackman is bald and flying through space with a tree. It's a total trip. Uh, it's like a fun, interesting movie, but like when you're tripping and then like all the lights and everything are just like going crazy, you're like, okay. I, <laughs> I, I, I ate the shrooms. I was watching it with my girlfriend, Natasha, and I didn't tell her. And then I just like leaned in halfway through because I was like, I can't handle this on my own. I was like, <laughs> I got to tell you something. I got a confession. Like, I'm tripping right now. And she was like, what are you doing? Because of course, I forgot we had a dinner after the movie. So oh, of course. It's like an ongoing adventure. For me, yeah. uh, Zach, what would you think is one of the ultimate uh, movies while high, and and you know what what would be your recommendation for what to you know, the pairing, sounds, sort of the wine pairing? It sounds cliche, but if you're gonna do a lot of edibles or mushrooms to watch Wizard of Oz with Dark Side of the Moon, yeah, it's so cliche, but it's so good. No, when uh, when she opens so, the door and goes into Oz and all the fucking clocks go off at that second, it's like yeah. it, it's like even if I think even if you were just watching it, you know, stone sober, you'd be like, oh wow, that's really cool. But it's like, no, you don't understand. This is so fucking crazy. Yeah, I agree with that, by the way. And then um as far as uh my favorite movie mushroom experience, actually uh my best friend and I did mushrooms and watched Nightmare on Elm Street, five, four, <laughs> and three in that order, because wow. they get better. Yeah, but the effects start sillier, <laughs> and there's something about that like screaming mad George era of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where they're like the like garbage pail kids looking effects. Yeah, that translates so well for mushrooms. Um, those, yeah, that's probably the which, most fun I've ever had. Which one does he put his tongue throughout the phone into the girl's ear? I can't even that's remember. One. That's one. Oh, that's one. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably right. You know, uh, I, I, the, uh, I, I think a lot of people didn't like it, but I thought that the Jackie Earl Haley remake, I actually was like excited for more of those, but I guess I was the only one, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not Robert England, but who is, I I know I liked that take on the character, but uh, I but, thought they added too much. Um, because like, didn't they make him a molester? Yeah, probably a killer, which like was kind of always inferred. I don't know if it needed to be. That's like, a great point. Yeah, out like that. Um, hit us over the head with it. Yeah. What I really actually there's a cut scene from the original that infers that Nancy had an older brother, oh. and he was one of Freddie's victims. And the kids that Freddie's killing all had older siblings that they didn't remember. Oh, wow. That was his crop of victims. And yeah. I recently saw, I can't remember if I saw either a deleted scene or I just read, um, you know, the cut scene from the script. But it yeah. makes the whole movie scarier. Well, that, that's, that's what I was thinking as you said that. I'm like, that adds this whole level to it that they all have these older brothers that they don't, or older siblings that they don't remember. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, I don't know, that's that's definitely a great one. And yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I think I just, I like the character of Freddy so much. Like when I was little, I always liked Spider-Man because he was he would make jokes and quips and stuff. And I thought that I, that's what I liked about Freddy was that uh, he's going to kill you but he's going to make us laugh while he does it, you know? And I always loved that combination. And I think that as long as Robert England was able to play him, it was great. 
but then the idea that we don't have new Freddy content, uh, maybe we don't need it, but I, I would love for there to be more of, of Freddy Krueger out there. But uh, I, I guess at the moment, that's uh, that's not what's happening. Uh, anyway, uh, Zach, you've been so generous with your time. Uh, I do want to take a, one more moment to mention the uh, the fact that our friend Matt and Casey uh, donated to the uh, fundraiser. Uh, the uh, GoFundMe for Lou Bruno. Uh, and uh, if anybody, uh, whether you've enjoyed this or not, or you just uh, want to help out your uh, your fellow man, uh, you can uh, just find it. Uh, you can find it. I'm, I'm sure, Zach, if uh, people follow you at Zach is not funny, they'll be able yeah, to. Yeah, if you go uh, on my Instagram, the link will be right in my uh, bio. And uh, yeah, thank you. That's very, very sweet. And thank you for having me, guys. Can I actually plug, uh, I got a new movie yeah. coming out. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I've got a new movie coming out called Hashtag Shakespeare's Shitstorm. I made it with the Troma team. I uh, got uh, did some writing on it as well as as the associate director. It is our version of Shakespeare's The Tempest. Uh, it is a spiritual sequel to 1996's Tromeo and Juliet. I'm very, very proud of it. I think it's really funny. Uh, it's going to be coming out in various theaters and festivals throughout the uh, summer into the fall, our first big screening being uh, the Mahoning Drive-In Theater in Pennsylvania. It's a huge, huge, huge drive-in. We sold it out last year, I think, with 200-some-odd uh, cars. Uh, but it's really fun. They have, like, big merch stands. They have food there. You can camp there. And we're going to be doing two days straight for the Troma Dance Film Festival, and that is June the 11th and 12th at the Mahoning Drive-In in Layton, Pennsylvania. And we're going to be showing six movies and a bunch of shorts. And on that uh, Saturday the 12th, the first movie, once again, is hashtag Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which I, uh, I'm the most proud I've ever been of a movie I've worked on. Right. And for the people who, uh, you know, are a little bit more casual when it comes to horror movies, Troma, obviously responsible for Toxic Avenger and so much more. I know you did. Uh, you worked on a couple of uh, Newcomb High uh, follow ups and uh you know, you're talking about the drive-in. That's sort of for the last year and a half. That was really the way that I could see movies. And I grew up with a drive-in, like probably 20 minutes from my house, and it's still open to this day. The Warwick Drive-in in Warwick, New York. It's uh, it's still there, and uh, there's just something great about just being in your car, especially when you're, you know, maybe you don't like to be around people. I mean, sitting in the movie theater can be very annoying. You know, Jeff, you were talking about going and wanting to, you know, not have anybody bother you on your phone. But how many times do you go and there's people on your phone talking to each other, whatever. Uh, so the, the drive-in is such a great way to do it. And uh, a big one like that, that sounds uh, really exciting. And, and it's uh, fun because you have the option of, you know, people uh, camp there. So they'll yeah. set up tents and watch the movie. They'll watch the movie from their car. Or some people, if you are comfortable and have a group of friends, you know, people bring chairs and kind of make like a little semicircle and keep the speaker in the middle of them. So there's just a ton of different ways to enjoy the movie, depending on your comfort level uh, you know, if you still are nervous about COVID, uh, these drive-ins are the best. And um, once you have trauma dance, it's so much fun. It's just super, super fans. Everybody camps out and has a great time. I couldn't recommend it enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Lloyd Kaufman from uh, Trauma is uh, quite a character. Anybody who's ever seen uh, interviews with him. So that sounds like a fun event. And then you can find everything. Uh, Zach is not funny. Yep. Twitter, Instagram, everywhere like that. Again, uh, Zach Amico, we appreciate it. The shows, if uh, we've talked a lot about some of the movies on it, uh, Midnight Spook Show and Bye Guys with Ian Fidance, all on Gas Digital. Uh, so you can find it all there. Thanks again, Zach Amico. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. Everybody have a great day, all right? Are right, you too? Thank you. Thanks. 
All right. And Jeff, you're uh, you're doing all right there. Uh, looks uh, looks beautiful and sunny. I was going to comment on it before I mentioned it in passing. Uh, but uh, so you're you're one shot in and you're getting a second one. That's uh, mm-hmm. so that was the takeaway from there. Obviously, you had a great chat with it. And uh, are you doing uh, Pfizer, Moderna? What are you getting? I think I got the um, Moderna. I'm All not right. Sure. Well, th- yeah. Well, that's the one where you know you might you might have like some cold sweats for a day or two or something, but uh, it's the the end result is the same. You know, it's uh, within like a few days. Although I guess you're supposed to wait like two weeks. After two weeks, after you get the shot, then you can go back out there. And it was yeah. weird because like there was a point where like getting a shot, especially if you got it like what some people consider early, uh, you it was like because my wife and I didn't post that we were getting it at first, you know, because we're just like, Oh, I don't know. I don't want anybody to be like, well, why are you getting one? You know, it was just, I don't know. I mean, you're not a social media guy and I think it, we should all follow your lead and, and, and not, but uh, you know, I just overthink these things, you know? And I'm like, oh, I don't like, I, like I didn't post when my kids went back to school in August. Cause I'm like, I just don't want the, the headache, you know? But uh, uh, I think that now that we're in mid May and, you know, I was, I was telling Zach, like, you know, there's like, there's stadium shows that are going to happen. There's like sporting events. Like I went to a Dodger game a few weeks ago, but this was great. Uh, because, uh, it was, it was 20, 20 or 25% capacity. So this, the row in front of us was all zip tied off. The row behind us was zip tied off. There was my party, four people, and there a bunch of seats zip tied in between us and then the other party down at the end. And I was like, can we just, can we just leave the stadiums like this? Because it was so pleasant because I didn't have to get up for anybody. You know, there weren't people in my way while I was trying to watch. I'm like, can we live in a 25 capacity, 25% capacity world? Do you think, do you think it would be easier to uh, get back out into a world where there were just, you know, maybe, maybe Thanos didn't have the wrong idea. Can we, he, he just was too conservative instead of getting rid of half of the people. Can we get rid of 75% of the people? Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I've been trying to be more like, um, trying to be more optimistic about people, but sure. it was like, I mentioned today. So it's like a couple things. First, I'd say, I remembered the movie I went and got, went to see. It was new mutants, which I'm sure you'll appreciate. That was the, I, the last movie I think I saw in theaters. Yeah, I can, uh, I can. By the way, I can see that uh, that turning you off of movie theaters for the rest of your life. Not, I don't. I, I don't hate that movie, but I know it's not. It's that not good. a bad movie. It's just yeah. not. It wasn't one where I was like, oh, I needed to see yeah. it in the theater. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know. I've been trying to be optimistic, but it's like so. Literally today, it's like one of those. I haven't really done anything in a long time. Finally, set up this appointment to go get my uh, contacts and new glasses. And I show up and the lady's just like, you don't have your contact in? I'm like, um, when I set up the appointment, I told them I don't have any left. I've been out for too long. Yeah. Why well, you can't get contact? I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense because plenty of people have to come and get contacts for the first time. And she just yeah. was like shaking her head while I was talking to her. It like got so bad that I just left, canceled my appointment and like filed a complaint. And they were like, oh my God, she did what? Like. It yeah. was just I, I, somehow I went out into public and met like the one person who's worse than me at dealing with people. You know, <laughs> and she they, to be a receptionist. They, they call that Murphy's law, but that sounds like DeRay's law. Like the yeah. odds of you interacting with a person finally, that that's going to be what it is. And, and uh, yeah, it, but like th- her thinking is like, 
why are you here in this restaurant? Do you have any food in your stomach? No, no, no. That's why I'm here. No, you have to come here with a full stomach and be, be brimming to the top full of yeah. delicious food. So, I mean, yeah. frankly, I was like, I'm here to get glasses and contacts. Like it really shouldn't be that complicated that I'm wearing glasses. Like chill lady. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to get, I want to be more like optimistic about people. It just seems like everybody's so it felt like the pandemic made it really easy to just draw lines that were maybe like unfair to people where it was like, well, you don't care about people's health. And it, it was telling in some ways, right? Like how easily people put up a huge bitch fit if they were inconvenienced in the slightest of ways because fuck the rest of humanity. And it just felt like, it just felt very telling of like, oh, this is why I get so upset when I go out in public because I try to be considerate of others. And I, I'm right when I think that the majority of people don't care about other people. Like they just want to do what's cool for them. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, to to bring it back to a, a different tragedy so long ago, I remember when we first had enhanced security protocols at airports going back 20 years after 9-11. And I just remember this one guy was like, Oh my God, what? And I'm like, do you you remember, do you remember why we're doing this right now? Why we have to go through this? Did, did you, I mean, I didn't say any of this because that's not me. You know, it's like, it's it's all staying in here. And I'm just like this asshole. And it was, and, and literally it was like, I don't care about any of that. I just don't understand why I can't bring this, you know, this Gatorade that I have finished uh, why i can't walk through security with him like just because it's the fucking rules sometimes it's just the rules okay and sometimes you know the the rules and and sometimes a stupid rule is going to still have to be followed whether it's a good rule or not you know mm-hmm. some people don't like to wear seat belts but i'm pretty sure that they can save your life if you are in a car accident uh, you know oh, but what about if i <laughs> well you know maybe uh you know what if i end up in uh what if i end up in the water and uh, i'm unable to get out i'm like all right well then you're fucked Okay, then uh, you're unable to unfasten yourself. But in general, uh, people don't like rules. And I I think that uh, this age of the pandemic, a lot of the rules, a lot of people didn't understand. But I'll tell you the thing about being at Disneyland yesterday. They tell you, you got to wear your mask, except if you're actually somewhere that you're allowed to eat. And I maybe it's just because it's early. Maybe it's because it's only 25 percent of the people. I did not see the people trying to walk around with their mask off. I saw people that had it under their nose because they don't understand how to, you know, how to actually put, put their, uh, put their mask on their face. But I think in general, uh, you know, people want to, but you're going to always find somebody that like the rules are not for me, you know, but, uh, well, I, I get it sometimes like today I was annoyed the place where I was having this appointment in a hospital. And when yes. I walk in, they're like, oh, I was wearing a mask. And they're like, oh, we need, want you to wear our mask. And I was like, yeah. cool. So I put their mask on and yeah, then of put course. my mask back over it. So now I'm double masked because I'm in a hospital. I'm like, yeah, that sure. doesn't seem like a bad idea, especially where I'm like a week away from getting my shot. I just don't really want to risk yeah. anything, right? They're like, uh, so I get up to the reception. She's like, oh, are you wearing our mask? I'm like, yeah. And I like pulled the other one off to show her. She's like, can you wear it on top? I'm like, wouldn't that make it less effective? She's like, mm. I'm like, so you just want me to wear one mask instead? And she's like, yeah. And I, told, I was just like, I, this yeah. is when you're losing me. Cause it's like, I'm going over what you're asking and you're chastising me for it. Like, I just wish that people understood common sense with rules. Right. And I'm not like, 
so it's like, I understand when people get pissed off where they're like, well, you know, this doesn't make any sense. And it's like, great. Sometimes you just got to deal with it. Did I just take the mask off and deal with yeah. it? Yes. Was the rule absolutely ludicrous and stupid and actually less helpful than what I was doing? Also, yes. But yeah. I didn't make a huge stink about it. I just did it because it's like, let's just not make everything have to be so overcomplicated. And it also feels like this was this coinciding with with like the real blatant uh, schism in the Republican Party of like people who believe in facts and people who don't like them at all. It's just like it just <laughs> sure, that's one way to look at a little it, yeah. I mean, it's it is what it is, right? Like there are facts. And some people have just decided it's not cool. Like you, you're getting people who are elected elected officials being like, it was just like a visit, like a regular social visit to the Capitol. Like, how can you say that when people die? Like, you're just, you clearly don't want to acknowledge reality. And, and that's your thing now, I guess. I guess that's a cool thing to do. Well, uh, our, our pal Matt and Casey uh, makes the point that mask rules are political, which is the problem. I definitely agree with that. And Dominica Saxon, who uh, we know lives in Idaho, most people around there don't wear them. No stores required anymore, even though no one followed their policy anyway. I think you're seeing a lot of national chains that it is their policy. And uh, I don't know about around the country, but uh, I've known, I know that uh, you still can't eat even outside at a Chick-fil-A, they're like, Nope, go take it somewhere else. We don't want to deal with it. You know, there's, there's I, some, that, you know, there's, there's national policies that uh, a lot of stores have. And they're like, yeah, we don't really care what your state says. If you're going to come into Lowe's, the home goods store, you're going to wear something. You're going to wear a mask on your face. You know, it's hard. Like I agree with Matt in the sense it absolutely emphatically has become political, but the problem therein lies that like, didn't it become political when the person who was supposed to just read this fucking thing said, well, I'm not going to do that. And that's for pussies. And he's yeah. like the leader of your cult of personality. It didn't have to be political at all. It could have just been something we all did. And some people would have been anti-masker vaxxers because that exists, but it wouldn't have been a political through line if the leader of the free world didn't make a point about it just because he wanted to be a tough guy and like lie about all the things he was going to end up doing, like getting experimental treatments and vaccines that he says not to get. Well, yeah. And I mean, that was the interesting thing because you had, uh, you, you had celebrities, you even had our, our vice president Kamala Harris saying that she didn't know if she was going to want to get a vaccine because you know Trump was president. And so then the people who were, uh, who are telling you to get vaccines now and the ones who are saying they don't want to, I think were, uh, they switched, uh, after the election, you know, and, and it's, it's not, that, it's not that cut and dried, but there are definitely examples. There are people you can point to and it's just like, this is this is this is your guy's thing. If you were a Trump guy, this is this is your this is your vaccine. Like he he did this. You know, he's still telling people to get it, and they're like, mm -mm, I I don't want it. But uh, I I don't know. That's I mean that's the unfortunate. That's I mean I get I think it's interesting to find out that people were like that about the polio vaccine when it came out. There were anti-vaxxers then. People that were like, I'm not going to do it, and it's not good for us. Yeah. So this is a thing that's been around for a long time. I, I don't have a problem with that. I also agree that everything's become overly stupidly political. Like yeah. I, even the fact I don't, it, I'm sure it's, I don't know, Israel and Palestine, right? Like not even to get into that, but easily just to talk about, you can tell the allegiances different outlets have based on the way they tell the stories. Absolutely. Right? I agree with oh, that. There was an eviction issue with the Israelis uh, and some people at a mosque or eight, like 600 people got shot with rubber bullets during Ramadan, right? Like it's, 
kind of a huge difference in the way you tell a story where it's like one's an atrocity and the other is like a little thing that happened. So it's just like the fact that we're we're doing that with facts still and, and have always done it is what makes me sad. I just wish that now that we're in this digital age of information's available, that there wasn't so much disinformation that people were so apt to just like gobble right up. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, yeah. I mean, I think that that sums it up, uh, that it sucks. Uh, just a couple of comments before we uh, wind things down. Kemi Egan, I started watching Cats and couldn't make it through the first half hour because of how shitty it was. I have to say that it, its shittiness is what I loved about it, but I also wasn't high. Uh, <laughs> Matt, I made it through 12 minutes of Cats on an airplane recently. Rough. And that's right. <laughs> Matt gets his uh, joke read on the show because uh, he donated to the GoFundMe that uh, Zach was on. Uh, Zach was on the show because of our, our friend, Matt and Casey. He really is our sugar daddy. I mean, you think about all the barbecue we've gotten from him and I'm not exaggerating. The only merch that exists are the mug and the t-shirt. And we only have those because of, uh, because of Matt. And uh, you know, I don't need to put this show on Patreon because uh, we have Matt. He's our patron. You know, he's the, the patron saint of of uh, black casting, you know. Um, he's like all the validation we need. Yeah. Uh, and Cam Egan, this is a thought I wanted to, uh, uh, I would have to say if you were tripping out, Doctor Strange would freak me the fuck out. Uh, I think that uh, that's uh, absolutely, I mean, there's some really wacky mind bending stuff in there, sure. And uh, Matt says, uh, says he enjoyed the interview. I think Zach had a good time. I hope so. I thought it was a fun way. I know I usually don't do uh, interviews with uh, you and Will, but I thought it would be fun to have sort of that more uh, general conversation. Plus, uh, you guys actually uh, haven't had you on in a while. Uh, I miss you guys. So uh, we'll have me, you, and Will. We're going to talk about because uh, I, I know because they're on. They were or are on HBO Max. I know you've seen both Mortal Kombat and uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, and I have a lot of thoughts. And I didn't want to sort of, you know, drag down the conversation with Zach to to force it in there uh, because I thought it was more fun to talk about some of these crazy uh, uh, horror movies. I guess I should apologize for making you watch Frankenhooker because we didn't talk about it that much, and you didn't like it, and you <laughs> didn't like fine. it. I'm I, it was one of those, I'm glad I watched it so that I know what you're talking about because it's one I'm sure you'll, you guys have referred to at some point yeah. or whatever. But it's just like, I don't know, I, I, those movies are always hit or miss for me, right? Like it either gets you or it doesn't. Yeah. Well, uh, we will, uh, are, are you excited for anything that's coming out, by the way? Because uh, I, I, I was wondering, uh, I, you know, and I didn't know if I was going to, I didn't have any time because I went to Disneyland yesterday. Uh, cause I asked both you and will, if you were going to see, you know, I'm sort of intrigued by the fact that they're doing that. There's this Chris rock version of saw that's going to come out. Not because I think it's going to be amazing. I'm just sort of intrigued. I'm like, well, what is that guy going to do when he takes this property? Is that something you would see? The reviews came out and just panned oh, okay. it. You, I actually personally like, getting to like shat on from what I've seen, which is, like, I have not read like, any like, reviews of it. So that, that, that makes a lot more sense now that you say that. Um, because I was just like, well, that, that could be interesting, but apparently it is, it is not, but is there anything that you're really excited for that's, uh, that's coming out uh, that you've heard about? Uh, I, I know I'm looking forward to finally getting to see black widow and venom versus carnage or it's called, mm -hmm. there will be carnage. That'll be in September. And uh, Sony doesn't mess around. They're like, only in theaters. Yeah, but what if we want to get it? No, only in theaters. Did you hear us? 
I'm I'm really excited for a lot of the Marvel stuff coming out. Like Shang Chi, yeah. that looks yeah, really that, cool I, to I me. I, cool. Yeah, I watched that guy's show on Netflix, uh, Kim, Kim's Convenience. Yeah, that how is that show? It's it's interesting because I think he addresses it where it's like there's some racism that's in this movie about Korean immigrants, but it and it made me feel guilty for laughing sometimes. But oh, I was also sure. like, but at the same time, I think these people are in on it and there are real genuine stories being told especially as it gets later in i enjoyed it it's kind of a throwaway show it's you know it's nothing amazing and and it's not breaking any ground but it's got some good quips in there but it's definitely like early on especially when it's like the mom and pop just have these super over-the-top accents you're like okay what's happening here <laughs> this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem right uh yeah no I'm looking forward to that stuff um I've 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 only ever seen one half hour of one Fast and Furious movie so the fact that they're like come back to the theater I'm like not for you Vin Diesel no. like I don't I don't need to do that I'm trying to think like what else is coming out this summer that I'm I'd be looking yeah forward you know to. so much stuff keeps getting like yeah how about next year you know what I mean yeah. they, there is enough stuff that like even Black, I mean, Widow? Even Black, Black Widow was supposed to come out like. Well, it's supposed to come out a year and a half ago, but it was going to come out like two weeks ago. And they're like, how about July? You know, they're like, not just yet. Yeah. So. Did you see, um, if I have one thing I think you'd enjoy, Invincible on Amazon. I've, I've heard a lot about so that. You good. like that? I really liked it. I, I was Because it came out um, almost like coinciding with uh, Falcon Winter Soldier yeah. for the first few weeks. And I was like, this cartoon is way better than that show. Like, I really dug it. Because it's like, they use the cartoon to do the things they can't do in a live action series. That's fair. But all, like, the heart and the actors are like, it's got a lot of really good voice talent. Like, J.K. Simmons plays uh, Omni-Man, and Steven Yoon uh, plays Invincible. And it's like, oh, those cool. two are just, like, kicking ass. Mm -hmm. uh, Minari, which I also saw with Steven Yoon, that's probably one of the best movies I've seen recently. Like I'm on a little, yeah, the, 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 the grandma who won the Oscar was great in that movie. I thought like, because we were talking before about when, you know, John Travolta going full R word and look, when a character has a stroke, you can, you can play it a few different ways. And I don't know. I mean, because my grandma had a stroke and I remember interacting with her afterwards. It was very believable because it's like, you don't, snap your fingers and all of a sudden you know you're you can't interact with people you're just different and i thought she was great in both parts of that movie so i, I was glad to see her win and the fact that she flirted with brad pitt when she accepted her oscar was all very sweet and all that but uh yeah there's been some good stuff that's come out and yeah that that invincible show i'm actually glad you mentioned it i do need to write it down i'm, I'm that guy now if i don't write it down i'm not going to remember to watch it not because i don't want to not because i don't trust you i'm just literally going to forget <laughs> uh, but I've heard good things about that. Did you like Falcon and Winter Soldier at all? Or I, I liked it. It was just, it, you know, I really liked where it was going. It just yeah. felt like it, it got rushed. No, it just yeah, it, a little it, bit. It was, it was it, you, you, the penultimate episode because it was so much like build up and like montage. I was like, oh, they're going for it on the finale. So I think really what happened with that show is I was I was sold. And then they gave me a, a penultimate where I was like, okay, I really wish this was more building of the climax than like a Rocky montage, but okay, well, we got a montage. They're going to kill it in the finale and give us like an extra long hour and a half finale. Nope. The finale just felt like it was the weakest episode, which is just like really unfortunate because that's what's going to be the lasting impression for most people. 
it was it, it's nothing where I'm like overall the series was bad or anything specific where I'm like they needed to do all these things differently. It just felt like you either didn't have enough time or you needed to do less episodes and and condense some of these story points. Yeah, and then watching the behind the scenes thing, they you know you can see that the impact that having to stop down for as many months as they did uh, for COVID definitely impacted it. But at the same time, the same thing happened to WandaVision, and and, and I don't know. I felt like. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really like both of those shows. Uh, I'm, I, it's, it's going to be a little bit more of a trifle, but, uh, I'm excited because Modoc premieres on, uh, Hulu oh, on Friday. Yeah. That looks so good. The, the um, yeah, the the showrunner is actually a friend of a friend. My friend Tim Sicardo has been on the show a few times, so he's going to be on uh, Marvel Movie Talk uh, a week, for, so the twenty eighth, uh, Friday the twenty eighth. So if you want to talk, if you guys uh, and 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 women, men and women out there, and and in everything in between. If you want more Marvel talk, make sure you check out on the uh, Blackcast YouTube network uh, the uh, Marvel movie talk. Uh, right now, Fridays at two p.m. Pacific. But uh, once Modoc starts, sorry, once Loki starts, we're going to be uh, Wednesdays at two p.m. Pacific. So that is, I think, June sixth. Well, Jeff, it's uh, great to get to catch up because if we didn't do a podcast at all, I don't know that I would ever have. Uh, I would ever get you to, you know, we we have good texts, but we we would never talk. We would we would communicate probably forever, but I know that we would ever actually have a conversation. So uh, I'm glad that uh, you had time. I thought it was fun uh, talking to Zach, bringing somebody into it. But uh, you, Will, and I will have to find a time, uh, maybe as soon as next week, and uh, figure out when we can talk about some of these movies that we've actually seen. But I am going to definitely check out Invincible. Is the whole series out, or is it yeah, just the whole first season's out? Okay. Now. What am I in for? Ten episodes? Thirteen episodes? I think it's eight episodes because oh, they, they released like five. They released three at first, and then okay. I think they did weekly after that until it was about eight episodes. They're like an hour long episode, so they're like long cartoon. I okay, think. wow, that's a that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of uh, you know speak. That's a I lot of like Korean that. Korean animators drawing very quickly. You know, I could be mistaking that, but I feel like they were like hour long episodes, like full legit episodes. And again, yeah. they have Gillian Jacobs, um, Jason Mantzoukas. Oh, cool. uh, Zachary Quinto, like they got a lot of people in it. Well, very cool. Uh, all right, Jeff. Well, uh, oh, wait, Dominican Saxon says he'd buy a Patreon, so we could have two. <laughs> uh, and because it's Matt, uh, anything new in Jeff World dog update? How's MJ? I, she's good. She was actually just in here playing with a ball a second ago. She's become super playful and like little queen. She she's built herself a fort of toys around her bed that she oh, like locks across all the time. And she'll yeah. like take her toys in and like sleep on top of them like Smaug. So it's great. <laughs> like Loving it. Uh <laughs> and you you don't want people to follow you on social media because you don't want to set the expectations. But at Jeff I mean, Duran, yeah. I'll try and interact with them. I redownloaded uh Instagram because I got okay. bored. Yeah <laughs> but well, it's like uh, I don't know. Uh what about Duray so Jeff? Do, do you think we should hear from Duray Jeff again? It's been a while from him. I can try and do some tweets, but it's, I just, I feel like whenever I think about tweeting something, I just yeah. worry that it's either going to like piss people off or give them the wrong impression. And then just stopped doing it because I feel like every time I read Twitter, I'm just like, Oh, shut up person. So I'm like, I don't want to be that person who everyone else wants to shut up. Yeah. 
Uh, sorry, a couple more thoughts from uh, Dominicus Saxon. Uh, uh, he wore a mask for a few months, even after he got COVID, which made for a sucky January. Uh, you know what? That's Dominicus Saxon for you. Until this second, I didn't even know that uh, he had COVID. You know, he's uh, he just uh, kept his head down, kept working, kept listening to the black cast. I mean, that's probably what healed him, don't you think, Jeff? That's probably the uh, the, the only thing that brought him back. Yeah. <laughs> In the news would say that's the power of love. The power of love. Uh, and he does agree. Uh, politics make him sad. And I don't understand why people gobble up without seeing if it's true or not. Uh, and it's easier to just ignore all of it because uh, having to see if it's true involves homework. So it's maybe it's just easier to just be like, yeah, well, you know, let's <laughs> let's let's see what cartoons uh, are, are good. You know, let's watch some of those horror movies that uh, that that Zach talked about, uh, you know, earlier. Uh, so anyway, well, Jeff, as always, uh, delightful to have you join us. And then, uh, so when's your next shot? Is it this week? Your second shot? Next Monday, exactly a week. Okay. So, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to, uh, see how you're handling it before we, uh, schedule our, our, our next show, but, uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, Everybody Jeff- family had light symptoms. So I'm assuming since I have the same DNA as them, yeah. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I just, uh, I was really tired, but I was also like just so hungry that weekend. I'm like, well, I guess I have to eat everything. Oh, well, uh anyway uh thanks to everybody uh joining us in the live chat and everybody just watching and listening after the fact uh at blackcast b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t and of course the blackcast is the website like the blackcast on facebook blackcast.com is actually what i meant to say b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t i'm at christian dmz you can find me twitter instagram everywhere in between but that's all the time we have now and look i had this here the whole time all those times that i wish I had the bell and I don't use it. I had it and I didn't use it until right now. And thanks again. This is also our sugar daddy, Matt and KC. <laughs> we wouldn't have that bell if it weren't for him. Anyway, thanks again, everyone. And we will see you next time on the Blackcast. <laughs>